0: Alcova Mortgage is here for good. We are locally owned, value great communication, and are committed to our Covington community. Call Alcova Mortgage Covington at 540 962 7152 or visit AlcovaHighlands.com to get in touch for your mortgage lending needs. Alcova Mortgage, NMLS ID 40508, NMLS consumer org equal housing lender, terms and conditions apply, all loans subject to credit
1: show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball hawk show. Yeah. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Bricklayers in ball shorts, coaching from the side of the ball court If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart, we got the tennis balls for the wrong sport If you know, you know If you know about the carport, the trapdoor supposed to be awkward If you know, you know That's the reason we ball for Circle round twice for the encore If you know, you know
0: What up, 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 do Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show Podcast, I'm your host Amon Hawkins, appreciate you Taking time out today to listen to the latest episode of the show. Today's episode, we will be recapping the South oldest rivalry between North Carolina and UVA. Football, that is. Um, before we get started, salute to everybody that's um a first time listener. If you're a regular, I appreciate you. If you was a person that went on strike for a little while and came back to the podcast i appreciate you man um as always make sure you subscribe on all the major podcast platforms salute to believe network where we are exclusively at um off the jump and then to share to platforms like apple podcast spotify uh amazon music is that amazon music it's on a lot of platforms now so i appreciate that man make sure you leave uh uh, leave a review to on Apple podcast man it definitely helps with the algorithms trust me you know you leave five star review hopefully and you just write one sentence and it helps it helps with the visibility so I definitely appreciate you Uh, salute to the sponsors the people that keep the lights on for your boy because as you can see I don't charge for podcast episodes I don't do a Patreon Um, at this point I just like to put product out there but Business is changing. Your boy might have to start charging, but right now it's free ninety nine because of these great sponsors. First of all, salute to Bet Online. That's Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball. Salute to the Astros for uh, winning the pennant. The NFL, my Eagles are undefeated. The NBA, Ty Jerome is with the Golden State Warriors, NHL, Combat Sports, Esports, and even Golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today and use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50. To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Believe 50. B-L-E-A-V 50 5 oh. You know, so B-L-E-A-V A V five zero oh, To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. where the game starts. So, it's to... Salute to BetOnline. Online. Also go to Abrainsurance.net for all your insurance needs. That's home, business, auto, life insurance. The great people at Able Service in the state of Virginia for over 20 years. Definitely hit them up. Tell them the Ballhawks sent you, and they will find an affordable policy for you and your family that can help you get on the road and not be riding dirty out here in these streets. Also, Alcova Mortgage. Go to alcovahighlands.com. That's alcovahighlands.com. If you need to refinance, you need a loan, uh, the holiday season is is upon us. So make sure you tap into the great people at Alcova Mortgage. Go to alcovahighlands.com. All right, my people. Let's jump right into it. Got to recap this game. Um, this game was more enjoyable to watch. We can all agree that Miami game was some trash can juice to watch. This time, reviewing the film, seventy plus plays on defense, seventy plus plays on offense, breaking down that film and rewinding. It, it wasn't painful. Now, don't get me wrong; I don't like to lose, but uh, just watching uh, the progression over the season because this is the first season we know it was a lot of talent that was returning uh, from the skill position on offense, uh, but. Yeah, this this game right here wasn't. I don't know how to put it because I don't want to make it seem like I don't create more victories or oh, I'm happy that we didn't get blown out by a rain team. Uh, but you know I'm a realist, and I understand everybody has to learn in this process. So before we get started, your first time listening, um, we usually open up the podcast with a little intro music to get our minds right, like we in the locker room about to come out to play, and then I give you. Uh, the stats from the game, offensive, defensive stats. Sometimes I give the opponent stats. Sometimes I don't. It depends on if Petty Hawk let me or not. Um, and then we get into some fun facts from the game, you know, milestones. And then I get into my analytical segments to where I break down what we did on offense from reviewing the film and what we did defensively from reviewing the film and then my final thoughts. So usually the recap, um, I try to keep it between 45 to an hour. Uh, sometimes it could get longer if we get on the soapbox. Hey, we human, and, and that happened. So DJ Petty Hawk said he got something for us today. Um, so what's up, DJ Petty Hawk? What you got? Hey, look, so the people know you do both our voices. And last time, you said some things last game, and people coming at you in the message boards, and you tried to say it was me, but it was really you. So before we get started, can we realize that Sackett Wood had you? I got enough to go around. If people don't know, that's from uh, the movie Juice. Uh, Rock him, know the ledge. That's the song when he say sip the juice. Sip the juice. I got enough to go around. You said Coach Kitchens better not use the tight ends and use four wise because we got to keep pace with, uh, with UNC because they score so much and blah, blah, blah. But your offensive coordinator, you not a coordinator, Hawkins, okay? You don't coordinate. You said take out the tight end and look who led us in receiving. I know I'm getting ahead of your little stats, but we had a tight end, lead us in receiving. So you got sir, shut the hell up, you. I, I could have sworn that was you that said it. No. Nope. nope. It was you. No, it was you. No, it was you. You see how the voices change? Rewind the last podcast and see if it's the voice is high pitch and sound like it's straining. That's me. Petty Hawk. The deep voice like this so you're going to make me talk? Yes. Say something. Say uh abracadabra. Abracadabra. You see? Where, whoa. Where's The Rock? I thought The Rock. Isn't that what they say in Black Adam? No, they don't say abracadabra, do they? You've seen the movie twice. I don't think they said abracadabra. They say Shazam. Oh, yeah. Well, say Shazam. See if The Rock pop up. Go ahead, Ball Hawk. I'm not saying Shazam. Well, you said it. The rock didn't show up. I guess it ain't true. So, hey. Now, let me get to my DJ. So, that uh that light-skinned dude from Canada that you don't really care for because you like Pusha T. He dropped the album with a dude that got a 21 in front of his Savagery. They called him 21 Savage. That's his name? Yeah, man. Drake and 21 Savage. Can I play a song from them? If, if you edited it out, you could play a song? All right. So, I'm going to play a song from their new album. And uh, it's called... On BS, because I'm on BS today. Let's go. Yeah. Whoa. 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 I had to cut some Wait a minute. That was not the edited version. He was about to say the N-word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. My bad. You quick, ball You quick on your feet. Because that wasn't the edited version. He was about to say the N-word and you caught it. So I'm going to say, I'm going to play the edited version right now. You really own BS just like the song. If I would not it, we had to scrap the whole day on podcast. We can't be dropping N-words on a podcast that's supposed to be edited. You can't do that. Now You got to be responsible. You saw what happened to the dude who played for Brooklyn that wear two ones. You got to be responsible out here when it comes to things that you say, that you share, Petty Hawk. Yeah, my bad. We almost got cancer Can we get cancer if we say the N word Hey don't get into that Okay you right Alright I'm going to play the song Cut some off, they didn't mean me no good. I come from the ghetto, so my trunk is in my hood. She went not no panties around me, even if she could. Gave out plenty spankings till they got it understood. The nosebleeds, baby, cunt's it on this wood. If you know it's tension, don't come around me like it's good. I got street smarts and you can't get this out no book. I can't write my wrongs, but I can still write these hooks all time to get exposed gang band from around here come get off your show savage say you and he hit it on the nose but that border's open why you acting like it's closed i don't know y'all be going in and out recessions the same way that i be going in and out of texas or in and out my sessions or in and out her best friends or in and out these courtrooms my lawyer like objection yeah whoa wow. wow. All my d- Spanish Bodequa. Water on my neck, these d- diamonds came with Coral Reefer. She from overseas, I had to buy her a new visa. Met your wife in Vegas, but I hit her in a visa. She a supermodel, so she only eats Caesar. Used to date a rapper, but he acted like a diva. D- hustling backwards out here, ballin' with the Rhea. How that I feel like I could lift a trio. All right, all right, Patty Hawk. I got a song that I know everybody gonna enjoy. Okay, I'm gonna play my song right now. All right, you know what I'm saying? It's more we we gonna get up and dance to this one right here. Let's go, let's go.
1: Come on, we oh, gonna set the mood right. Oh, that's DJ It's Five in the morning, I wake up to five on my yard. Yeah, my mind is a warning. Praying to the in my mind, what I need, me, try you can't buy, but I'm burning, let me hide, my mind, it runs, all these thoughts are troubling,
0: Hey, Petty Hawk, can you do the dance of this song right here? You know what I'm saying? Can you can you do it while you're in the air and you flapping your wings? If nobody ever don't know what this song is, it's from TikTok. Lil Baltimore Strut by Teams. If y'all don't know, man, sometimes got to hit you the game. You know what I'm saying? Free mind. Let's go go all right. we're just gonna let that play in the background for a little while man that's a little good vibe music we're gonna jump into the podcast right now the number segment you feel me all right man yesterday's game the attendance was 44,156 it was 44,156 people in attendance. A lot of applause for that. Hold on, oh, hold on. Let me cut those. I, I can't do both on the soundboard at the same time. There we go. So 41, 41 people. <laughs> hey, yo, Petty Hog, what are you doing, bro? Stop. I say, Petty Hawk, you're not listening. Okay, quit it. Keep cutting the song back on. Let me make sure it's all okay. It's all all right. Um, so it was forty four thousand one hundred fifty six people that was in attendance at the game yesterday versus North Carolina, the South's oldest rivalry. Hold up, wait. But North Carolina won thirty one to twenty eight. UVA scored every quarter. I think that's the first time we've done that all season. Touchdown in every quarter. That is. Um, actually scored on the opening possession of the first quarter and open the possession after halftime, I believe. But we'll get more into that. Um But when we look at the numbers, first downs, UVA had 25 first downs. UNC had 29 net rushing. UVA had 186 yards rushing as a team on 39 attempts, averaged 4.8 yards per rush. All rushing touchdowns came, I mean, all touchdowns came on the ground. That's four rushing touchdowns for UVA. North Carolina had 162 yards rushing on 40 attempts, averaging four yards to carry, two rushing touchdowns. Passing yards, UVA had 232 passing yards on 35 attempts. North Carolina had 293 yards passing on 37 attempts. Uh, UVA averaged 6.6 yards per attempt. UNC averaged seven point nine yards per attempt. UVA averaged thirteen point six yards per completion, while UNC averaged eleven point three yards per completion. Total yards: UVA had four hundred and eighteen yards of total offense. UNC had four hundred and fifty five yards of total offense. UVA ran seventy four plays, or offense seventy four offensive plays, and UNC ran seventy seven offensive plays. Average yards. Average gain per play, UVA UVA averaged 5.6 yards per play, while UNC averaged 5.6 yards per play. Penalties. UVA had eight penalties for 47 yards, and about four of those happened on the kneel down situation that I'll talk about later. And uh, UNC had five penalties for 45 yards. Time of possession. UNC won that. They averaged. They had the ball for 33 minutes and 28 seconds. UVA had the ball for 26 minutes and 22 seconds. Uh, UNC dominated the time of possession in the second half. They had the ball for 9 minutes and 35 seconds in the third quarter and 10 minutes and 19 seconds in the fourth quarter. UNC was 7 of 14 on third downs. That's 50%. UVA was 7 of 13. That's better than 50%. UNC was 2 of 3 on 4th down. UVA was 1 of 1. UVA have 4 trips to the red zone and score 4 touchdowns. That's I know. That's being petty from last week. My bad. My bad. 4 touchdowns in the red zone on 4 trips. Um, Sacks. UVA had four sacks. UNC had one sack. And there were no points off of turnovers, even though UNC generated a turnover. If we look at individual, uh, Mike Hollins led us in rushing. Career high, 16 rushes for 75 yards, averaging 4.7 yards in attempt. Brendan Armstrong had 12 rushes for 64 yards, if you factor in the sack. Um, He averaged 5.3 yards per rush. Ronnie Walker Jr. was good seeing Ronnie Walker. Six carries, 30 yards, five yards a pop. Xavier Brown had five carries, 17 yards. He had a touchdown. And also Ronnie Walker had a touchdown. Brendan Armstrong had two rushing touchdowns. Elijah Green led the uh, Tar Heels in rushing with 91 yards on 22 carries, averaging 4.1 yards a rush. Drake May had 16 carries for 74 yards. When you factor in the yards lost for sacks, he averaged 4.6 yards per rush. Uh passing. Brennan was seven to 30, seventeen of thirty-five, one um interception. Seventeen to thirty-five. That's less than fifty percent, right? Yeah, so that's less than fifty percent. Um and it was sacked one time. Drake May had eleven incompletions. He was twenty six of thirty seven, two ninety three, two touchdowns, sacked four times. Josh Downs had 15 catches on 16 targets, 166 yards, and one touchdown for North Carolina. More victory. He didn't have 200. They, didn't have, they had three straight games of having to receive over 200 yards versus us, and he didn't get 200. He had 166, but he didn't get 200. That joker right there. I mean, I'm going to break down how difficult it is to stop that 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 dude. They threw the ball to him 16 times. You know, sometimes we be having folks complaining about a receiver getting tar I I, I guess you can re- – like the only time you could get mad at a receiver being targeted a lot if the 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 target the catches and the target ratio was off. Like if you get if you got targeted 16 times and they had like seven completions, you could have an issue. But when he got 16 targets and 15 catches, you really can't complain that a quarterback's throwing to one guy. You really can't. Sackett Wood Jr., the guy that served Petty Hawk, shut the hell up, Juice. Cause he said, cause Petty Hawk said there shouldn't be no tight ends starting this game and playing that much. We should go four wise. That's before we knew all these injuries took place at receiver too, Cause so respectfully, if that, were, if I did say Petty Hawk, then I got I got out. Sackett Wood was targeted eight times, had six catches for 94 yards. And they, I don't know how they overturned this touchdown. But that that you know the overturn got Ronnie Walker his first touchdown. But I don't know how they overturned that touchdown. I really don't. Like it's amazing the stuff that gets overturned for UVA and the things that uh, stand when it comes to the other teams. Like this is how you know it was written. Like this ain't the year for UVA football. I'm telling you, because when it's all year, everything go right. Go look at that nine win season that Bronco had in the eight-win season. Everything went right when it was supposed to go right. Um, J.R. Sean Wilson had five catches on eight targets for 61 yards. Billy Kemp was targeted seven times, had two catches for 17 yards. Uh, D'Amico was targeted six times, had one catch for 40 yards. That was a, that was about time we got my man vertical. Because they, they actually was doubling D'Amico. They knew he was fast, so they were doubling him. Um, Xavier Brown had one catch on two targets Ethan Davies one catch on two targets Both of those gentlemen had seven yards on their reception Grant had one catch on one target for six yards And Luke was targeting one time um, And that tip that, that ball that was thrown behind him um, Actually generated the interception um, Daniel Sparks averaged six, 46 yards per punt He's a secret weapon Brendan Armstrong had a point for 32 yards. We're gonna talk about that situation. I ain't like I agree with it in Duke, but I ain't like it this time. I didn't. I, I didn't like it this time. And I don't know if the point generated in UNC scoring points or not, but I just didn't like like the approach. So we'll we jump into that. Uh defensively, Cedric Gray. Led UNC in tackles. He had 16 tackles. He had a sack. He had two tackles for a loss and two pass breakups. The reason why I pointed him out is I was impressed by him. I told you in the uh, preview that I thought he was a good linebacker. Like, he's super active. Um, Great vision. Uh, He explodes to the football. Nice feel for the game. So, um, that's why I told you his stats. But defensively for UVA, James Jackson had a career day, a career high, 11 tackles. I believe that's a career high. He also had a sack, had a tackle for loss. Um, sometimes he was responsible for uh, spying Drake May. That wasn't easy. And I'll break down defensively what we did. And some of the things that gave us trouble and some of the things that idealistically you know, we were right, but it just wasn't executed. So a lot of people were questioning, like, yo, we need a spy, we need this. And I'll break down how guys were there, but how Drake May made plays and how the offensive scheme that Duke, uh, not Duke, but UNC had as far as their formations put us in the bind. Um, Cohen King had nine tackles. Uh, Nick Jackson, nine tackles, a sack, a tackle and a half for a loss. Aaron Famuyi had a had eight tackles and a half a tackle for a loss. Yonas Saker, six tackles. Antonio had six tackles. Fintrail five tackles. O.A. had three tackles in the sack and a tackle for a loss. Cameron Butler had uh, three tackles. Hey, Cam, I met your people's man. I was at uh, BJ's Brewhouse on Friday. Met your people from West Virginia. Then got to chop it up with them um, at the game. Saw them in the stands as well. Salute to them. Making that trek down from West Virginia to come support you here at home game. So, salute to them. Uh, My man, Gucci Man, had two tackles. They tried to target him a couple times on long plays, and it didn't work out. Uh, P.A. had a sack, two tackles, and a tackle for a loss. P.A. relentless, man. A gear is relentless. Uh, The Juggernaut had two tackles. Chico had had, uh, just one tackle. Um, And... Let me see. Daniel Sparks had a nice tackle on a punt return. Xavier Brown had a tackle. Grant had a tackle. Uh, Micah had a tackle. Dave had a tackle. And Jack Camper had a tackle. So that was the individual stats. Uh, Let's see. I'll go over. I'll go over the defense first. Let's go over the defense first. Right. So defensively. Uh, I thought we played. So I thought we played well defensively, right? Because this is an offense that came into the game, averaging basically forty-two points a game, forty-one point eight, uh, one hundred sixty-seven yards rushing the game, and then three hundred and thirty-four yards passing. So we held them under their their one thirty, their three thirty-four. Hold on, hold on. Before I get to that, let me shout out my man B A. Shout out to Brennan Armstrong, man. He became the 15th player in ACC history with 10,000 career yards of total offense, man. I got ahead of myself. Salute to Brennan Armstrong. 10,000 career yards of total offense. Only the 15th player in ACC history. None of y'all saw this coming. I did. Now I'm playing. Uh, this is phenomenal, man. Phenomenal. Um, on the day yesterday, he had 303 total yards. Um, he now has 10,195 total yards of offense for his career. He rushed for a pair of touchdowns in the contest. Um, it marked his sixth time in his career. He rushed for multiple touchdowns in the game. His 20 career rushing touchdowns are tied with former teammate Bryce Perkins for the third most by a quarterback in UVA history. UVA scored on its opening drive for the first time this season. It was a seven-play, 65-yard drive that took up four minutes and 12 seconds. Salute, salute, salute. UVA held North Carolina to a field goal in the first quarter and 10 points at halftime, the the fewest points by the Tar Heels at either break. This season, UNC came into the contest as the top scoring offense in the ACC and the sixth best in the country. The five-yard touchdown run by Drake May in the second quarter was the first offensive touchdown surrendered by Virginia in nine quarters. So, you know, I know everybody was saying those eight quarters were versus backup quarterbacks, but they even held Drake May out the end zone for a quarter until the second quarter. So uh, Virginia collected four sacks on the afternoon, the second most Miami had five versus UNC when they played. And I think this is the second lowest scoring game other than the Miami game where they, where they only scored 27. Then they beat Miami 27, 24. Let me look, let me look. Yeah. So that's why I want to start with the defense first. Um, I feel like they did, what what we wanted, what we asked for them to do, like give us a shot. I felt like the defense definitely gave us a shot to win this game. I will. I I know in the second half, UNC made adjustments, and um, if you talk to Coach Rudd, he'll tell you yo, we, we got to make a couple more plays because we because they lost the game, they felt like they got to make a couple more plays. Uh, this this offense is very dynamic. It's very difficult to keep bottled up for four quarters um they do so many things schematically that that makes it advantageous for them they they kind of dictate coverage they dictate what you could do up front they dictate what you could do as far as um having a spy versus drake may all right so when we look at the drive charts for UNC uh we we talked about the opening drive which they, they we held them to a field goal uh by huge sack from Nick Jackson, when they had a penalty, they made it third and long. They came on a stunt, and the DBs did a good job of, of deciphering the um, a little switch concept they were running. And on the second series, we, we forced a punt after they had gotten the possession. So they created an interception. Then our defense forces a six-play, 29-yard punt. They had the ball for two minutes. Um, then they got the ball back. They had a 13-play, 80-yard drive. Um, they have a three and out. Then in the end of half. Then they come out of halftime. Now, salute to them for this. They come out of halftime. They have an eight-play, 75-yard drive. They score. The next time they get the ball, they have an eight-play, 71-yard drive. And you know what? I, I do want to say with that quick punt. At least we did get a stop with that quick punt by by uh, BA. But I still want to talk about that that whole how it played out. Um, so you look at their touchdown drives: thirteen plays, eight plays, eight plays, eleven plays. That to me is, if I'm UVH defense, I'm going to make North Carolina do. I'm gonna have you repeatedly demonstrate that you can pitch and catch, or execute down the field. Now, don't get me wrong. It was an egregious, trash can juice, worst ever in life touchdown. I mean, not touchdown, but interference that was called on Jonas Sankner that made me want to throw up. And I think that helped them score their first touchdown, I believe. It might have been the first quarter, third quarter. Was it the, I mean, I mean, the second or the third? No. Couldn't have been the first quarter. It had to be the second or the third, because that's, that's when it was going towards our locker room. But anyway, that interference call on second and, either second and 14 or second and 24, whatever it was, that referee did not realize that Jonas was a, actually looked back for the ball, and the ball was thrown behind the tight end, and Jonas got there. Now, did he collide a little bit with the tie, the receiver, the the pass catcher, because it was a tight end? Yes, but the ball was underthrown, and Jonas was looking back. Like sometimes, man, I, I really, I really wish, I really wish, and like when it comes to receivers on the back end, uh, ref, uh policing the secondary, can you at least like? get guys who used to play DB or send them to a defensive back school to let them know how hard it is to play that position like that, that right there, like you ask a guy to look back for the ball. He looked back for the ball. Not only did he look back for the ball, but he hit the ball. So how's the interference when soon as he collided with the pass catcher, the ball hit him. And then the, and the flag came so late. Like that killed it. Like that would have put up in third and long, and we would have kept them out the end zone. That, would, like to me, that that right there, that right there, we never, we never truly. And I want to say, that may have been the. I should look at. Let me. I could, I could, I could look at my phone right now, but I don't want to make. I don't want to make it. Um. I don't want to. I don't want to make it be like so. So uh like quiet. But ah, I wanna say it was the second quarter. I wanna say it was their it was their touchdown. It was their first touchdown in the second quarter. I wanna say that's when it happened. Cause that to me is when our offense was was rolling. Let me see, what did our offense do after that? We scored. After they scored, we scored. Yep. So you take so Cause it would have been third and fourteen or third and twenty four. It was either third. It was either second and fourteen or second and twenty four. I don't remember when the cut up. It was either second and fourteen or second and twenty. Matter of fact, I got all the plays right here, and all I got to do. Uh, if, if if it if it get too quiet, I'm sorry, but let me see. There we go. It was in the second quarter. It was second and twenty four. Derrick made pass incomplete. To number 88, K. Morales, penalty, UVA pass interference. It was second and 20, they gone four. And they scored on, on May scramble. How many plays later? One, two, three, four, five plays later. I really believe we get a stop right there. I really do. Third and 24, I don't think they get that. And they're not in field goal range. I think our offense keeps everything in front of them, and we would have got to stop. Okay, just say they kick the field goal. Now it's 28-28 at the end of the game. Possibly. Possibly. I'm just saying possibly. Because I know people saying, well, they had the ball late and all right, we wouldn't kick the onside kick. We would have kicked it down. Like I'll take my chances. To just, I mean, any hypothetical can be right. You know what I'm saying? Like you, uh, UNC fans said, "Well, we still would have won because we would have had the ball last three minutes left, and we would have took it down and scored on y'all." You could be right because hypotheticals. Here's the thing about hypothetical situations, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know, both sides can be correct in a hypothetical because we're both creating it on the fly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but that 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 pass interference was nasty. It was nasty. Another thing. I don't know what these refs was looking at, but when the hands, if if a lineman has his hands on the outside framework of the defensive lineman, meaning the defensive lineman has beaten him and got his hands inside and their hands on the outside and they grab cloth, that's that's a hold, man. If we chasing somebody and you start seeing the name of their shoulder pads, ref, that's a hold. Again, UNC, that's a phenomenal offense. They don't need no help. When it's not warranted, like it was almost like, "Yo, we can't let UVA beat Mac again, and they ain't got three of their top receivers." No, we can't allow this. How much Michael Jordan is paying y'all, rest man? Allegedly, I ain't trying to get caught up in defamation with y'all because I know how petty y'all is. But uh, yeah, that that right there. But other than that, um, so so I want I will say this: UNC had a lot of called. Quarterback draws It wasn't anything About UVA Not having a spy On Drake May They were calling It was a called Quarterback draw So here's what UNC did They would either go Four wide So basically They go ten personnel One back No tight ends Four receivers They'll go quad So it's two by two And what they would do is They snap the ball To Drake May And it would swing The back out While they would swing The back out That's causing One of your backers To shuffle them Because they knew What playing man so we're playing man they run quarterback draw they swing the back out so now James Jackson will have to honor that swing route okay so he had to slide outside the tackle box Nick Jackson standing five yards he's bouncing bouncing reading the eyes of the quarterback so once they snap the ball if we have a one technique the center will hit the one technique with his flipper and then he will proceed to run up the field at Nick like a lead blocker so while we have four guys rushing, they got five pass catchers that we have to honor. You got Nick one-on-one, not only with the center, but with Drake May. So it was like an iso. So Nick is forcing uh, May to pick a side, and he did a great job of reading this block. So a lot of people say, man, we need a spy. We need a spy." We, we did have a spy. They were releasing the center up the field because it was a call draw play. Um. So that's the first thing um, Another thing It was times where We would be in a zone And Drake May Would, would see that our end Would basically get a good get off So our, our ends would get a good get off off the field And they were they would Instead of them having an educated hoop Where they would run the hoop And keep it skinny to compress the lane They would beat the, the tackles like fast and Drake May would notice that immediately he would take off. To me, I was more impressed by his pocket awareness and his pocket mobility. It, like, I, like, in anything, Coach Rudd would say, yeah, we could have did a better job X, Y, and Z. But I tip my hat off to that kid. Because he knew where the threat was pre-snap. And when he snapped the ball, he would understand um where his receiver would attack and where the vac what the vacancies in the defense would be he would immediately go. Because with so when UNC having their best receiver in the slot, this is what it does to the defense. Understand this. Any defense that you see, the best defensive back, the best corner is usually the best. Okay, the best cover guy is usually an island guy, meaning he's on the outside. So what North Carolina does And even the LA Rams do it. They put their best receiver in the slot. They do. They're going to force your hand. You really going to, if you're going to play zone, then if my guy is crafty enough, he's going to eat you alive because I got my best receiver going up against linebackers and safeties. Now, if you had the personnel to bring your best cover guy and put him in the slot in the perfect world, you good to go. But how is that going to mess up the integrity of your defense? And we're talking about college football, not professional football where you can, that's all you do all day. They don't have to go to class. And some colleges, they don't, still don't go to class, but you see what I'm saying. So with our defense and and coming to the game, I knew it would be difficult for us to uh, defend Josh Downs because we asked our safeties to cover slots and we asked them to cover them from eight to nine yards off. And that doesn't put them at, the best position. And it's not a knock on Coach Rudd. This is on any scheme. Like anybody you've seen play North Carolina, Josh Down gives him fits. This scheme is tough to stop with him, with that type of slot receiver. Facts. Because he got little choice routes, they putting him in motion. They, they, they jet motion him. They they orbit motion him. They, they give him whip routes. They give him smash routes. They give him speed outs. They give him Dino routes. They give him uh, bang eights. Like, that kid runs, like, I'm impressed by that kid. And, and you know, a lot of folks are like, oh, you're taking, like, it's not you're not holding the defense accountable. I'm still holding the defense accountable. I'm just letting you know, like, it's tough to stop that joker. Like, when you look at the touchdown he caught against Jonas Sanker, Sanker. By alignment, they looked at the ODU game. Remember ODU had their best receiver run the corner route and they put their tight end on the outside? Well, they did that, but they did it in trips. They had Green as as the X receiver all the way out. Instead of having Downs as the number two receiver and the tight end as the number three, they put their tight end as the number two and put Downs at number three. So what that is, they wanted to see how we would defend it. Right now, if you put Nick Jackson on downs, you're tipping off that you probably in zone. But once they saw Nick Jackson went to number two over the tight end and they saw you Sanker come down what I call in no man's land. He was like five to six yards off of Josh Downs. And no safety in the middle of the field. Really. Our safety was maybe nine yards. Clary was it over the ball. So in a perfect world, hindsight is twenty twenty. I got to rewind the tape a lot. So make sure you keep that in context when I'm breaking this down of what I felt like they should have did because I've rewinded it a couple times. So I got to think about like, ooh, you could have did this. But initially, even coming to the game, I felt like we need to box Josh Downs every chance we get if he's a slot or the inside receiver. Boxing means I'm going to force you to inside routes and you may catch him. But I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to hit you every time. Now, that will leave Fentrell Cypress on the island, which we was doing anyway, or Anthony Johnson on the island, which we was doing anyway. I just don't know how that plays a role with the linebackers covering the tight ends because that's going to put a lot of stress on them because remember, we were using a spy. So we're using the spy. One of our, one of our linebackers can't cover now with tight ends, So we really can't have help to now uh, double team Josh Downs. I just answered my own question. That's why we couldn't box him in because we had to keep a spy. So, again, that's why this offense is tough because they they, they're They splitting you out. It's just like when we see Sackett Wood uh, versus like a Syracuse Lining all the way out as the X. And people are like, why are we lining them all the way out? We're trying to see if they're going to put a linebacker out there or if they could put a, a DB because they put a DB out there. We know a zone, we know it's some type of short zone. You put a linebacker out right there, you're showing me his man, and you got one less like, aggressive uh, play reader in the middle of the field so now the quarterback can make plays second level if he see an opening. Um, But on Josh Downs, they ran a little – so not only did he run a corner route, but they ran a the corner route switch. So what, what happened was he ran up on um Jonas, and he stuttered. He gave a little in-and-out move, and he slowed down just enough for the outside receiver, which was the tight end, to come under him to try to naturally pick Nick Jackson. That was the first read. Nick Jackson did a good job of deciphering through traffic, played the upfield shoulder of that tight end on the end cut, had him covered. But with him having him covered, Jonas went underneath Nick. And when he went underneath Nick, he was dead to rights and Antonio was so far in the middle of the field and playing so shallow that there was no way he could help. Now, if Josh Downs was running a post route, I would love to see how Antonio would have been able to help cuz I felt like that angle I don't know, it would have to be it would have been, it would it would have been tough there too, but I just felt like they beat us pre snap. They hit the call. And there was a lot of times where they went three to the field, and they ran Josh Downs on just an over route. And one time they ran a spot route to where they spotted over the ball. Cohen King saw Josh Downs, and we got good pressure. Drake climb the ladder. He stepped up, and they made eye contact, and he immediately threw the ball towards the sideline. And when Cohen King tried to check back to see where the quarterback was at, Josh was gone, catching the ball towards the sideline the chemistry those two had if in pre snap so every time the opposing team has the ball i like to like be a little bit behind them initially for a little while to drive other drive and then they continue to drive down the field i like to get behind our defense to kind of see what they like to run schematically and a type of route combination so when i was like right behind the ball Behind the offense of UNC, I can see Josh Downs talking in May, pointing at guys, counting, like he was giving him numbers like, oh, they got three over here. It's two. Hey, check, check him. Hey, I'm going to do this. Hey, tap this helmet. Hey, I'm going to get this. So they, they were talking early in the game of what we were doing schematically on defense. It's a thing of beauty because he's a veteran receiver with a freshman quarterback, but. Like, they're on the same page. There was a couple of times where he missed Josh Downs wide open. Like, wide open. Like, even like as phenomenal as that kid is, he missed Reeves, too. He lock in on certain receivers, too. You know, like people say, oh, B.A. lock in. Like, that kid, as special as he is, he, he got his shortcomings as well. So defensively, I thought we did a good job because when I just shared with y'all the drive chart, we made them, you know – to make an offense like this go 13 play, 8 play, 8 play, 11 play. That's what you want. If I'm a defense, I'm a "bimmer Don't Break believer. 13 play, tip my hat. 8 play, 8 play, tip my hat. Now, I mean, 8 i mean eight plays is eh, but 13 and 11, tip my hat. Look at our play drive. 9, 9 play drive, 13 play drive, 10 play drive, 7 play drive. Now, this is UVA offense a team that's known for self-inflicted wounds. I'm going to transition to our offense cuz I see we at the 46 minute mark. Um offensively, let me say this. This statement right here people going to take out of context, but it is what it is. This is what this is what we do right in the media cuz I'm in the media I'm including myself. When you're missing a star and you feel like the team plays better as a collective, we start to question how important that star is, right? Case in point, you look at the Memphis Grizzlies last year. Ja Morant as a dynamite player. But when he was missing and injured, they were winning without him and people, they, they start going to advanced analytics. The numbers are better, blah, 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 blah. So they say, hey, man, the Memphis Grizzlies are better without Ja Morant. They actually play better without him. And I always say, A lot of times when the star is not there, others feel the need to step up because they know the star isn't there. And I always say when a star returns, you need to have that same mentality. And that star can understand that. Hey, hey, guys, play the same way as if I wasn't here, because even though I'm the star we're that much more dangerous, if you have that same elevation in your game, even with me on the court. This offense played better and executed better without Lavelle Davis Jr., Keaton Thompson, and Dontavious Wicks, Dontavian Wicks. They executed better. They played better. Why? Sometimes when you have talent like that and they're on the field, you feel like you have to feature them or you're going to lose them during the game. This is not, I'm not causing a controversy. I'm giving you just a thought. Even as an offensive coordinator, Kitchens himself, without those three guys being there, and I'm not saying they're bad personalities. I'm not saying they're selfish guys. I'm not saying they're telling them, give me the ball. I'm just saying it's a natural pressure that's placed upon a play caller when you know you have all this talent and you're like, you're charging to see, hey, does so-and-so get a touch yet? And so or so get a look yet that don't, That's not only kitchens That's Brendan Armstrong as well Imagine you're Brendan Armstrong You got all this talent And just like you guys You're charting How many times you throwing the said receiver So what happens when those Three top flight guys are out What are you going to naturally do You are going to lock in and really just Get the ball to the guy that's open Because you feel like You don't It's no responsibility for you to have to get the ball to this guy because we ain't got it to you yet. And I'm not, again, I'm going to keep saying it like I'm a mixtape DJ. I'm not saying that is taking place. I'm just thinking outside the box. A lot of times when we as fans, we do that next man up mentality or we always say, well, the offense or the defense played better when so-and-so wasn't there. This guy is better. Sometimes the approach and the mentality improves. That's more healthy. So when you see us going to Sackett Wood, like so that first drive, what I liked about it is we ran a lot of switch concepts. We had a tight split with a tight end off the ball, and at the snap of the ball, the routes were crossing each other. So it was causing like a natural pick, and we were stopping it was, we call it a switch concept where you switch your landmarks and you stop. So you got JR coming close to BA, five to seven yards, stopping. Then you got Sackett Wood on like an arrow route going out, just saying, hey, if you're in zone, I know the that the receiver will be in the window inside of this Mike linebacker. But if you're a man, I know that now that receiver coming on that switch um, stem is going to naturally pick. That Mike Backer or that Will or whoever that inside Buck Backer is that has to cover Sackett Wood on the arrow route. It's a natural pick and he's going to be chasing. I like that we utilized that early. Right? We kept it simple because we felt like we have to be simple and you got to make sure you're truly playing complimentary football because you know the talent level drop. But I always say this. Cause I say this, I was saying this when I in another podcast platform when I was talking about like the Dallas Cowboys and and uh, Cooper Rush, right? How people say, "Oh, Cooper Rush is playing. Look how the offense is playing." Look, I look at the play call, and I always say, "I think the best thing that offensive coordinator could do is have that same approach with Dak Prescott when he came back, as he had with Cooper Rush. Meaning, understand." You have two backs who could get it going running the football. And if you're running the football, now you're dictating that somebody has to come down in the box. And now you you can utilize play action and you could cause, you create better passing windows for your quarterback. The quarterback, no matter how much you pay them, should not dictate how you call the football game. Because at the end of the day, you are getting paid to call the game. You are. So I feel the same way with offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. It, It should not matter how many five stars you have on defense, like, you should call the game the same way that you see it versus who I have. Now, now no, no, don't get me wrong. Skill set comes into play. But if you can make it, if you can dumb down your scheme so much that you allow the talent level to elevate it to different – now, the, the talent level always – um, elevated to different tiers if that makes sense right so if I call a game the same way no matter who's in there the talent will give me an added bonus so if I have a four six guy and I know I can run smash concept where I can run a five yard a five yard hitch on the outside I can run number two I can run say if we so if we in just two receivers, right, we run smash. Five yard hitch, run a corner route. Right? So if I have a big tight end, I still, hey, we're gonna run it the same. Big tight end to catch it might get pushed out. But what happens when I got a top flight route runner who has four, three speed, and they give you something at the top of that corner route, he may that may now turn into a touchdown. So that's what I mean, like the talent can elevate the result, so I feel like coordinators should have the same approach. It's a little different up front when it, when it when it comes to running the football, but that's why I always feel like you should approach the run game as if your guys, your guys, you, the guys up front. Uh, I don't want to put this in terms. I don't want to put like they weak, but if you attach the run game like. Your offensive line isn't the strongest, so you scheme up ways of tandem blocking, zone blocking, and you alleviate them in a sense that when they do finally improve and they can step up to the challenge, but you still keep it simple, it becomes now icing on the cake, I feel. It's no different than a quarterback, right, that can utilize his legs. So you always make sure that you put him in advantageous situations. You might cut off half the field, but you always make sure his legs um, can get him out of trouble. Right, it's no different what we did this game. Well, even though North Carolina defensive line wasn't the strongest, we approached it as if we were still playing Miami. We were getting Brendan out of the, out of the pocket, play action. We was moving them around. We were sending guys in motion. I see just how to just how to how to bing bong moment. This game plan, we approached UNC as if we were still playing Miami. Miami defensive line was very good. And how we approached UNC, we still pictured we was playing Miami. Our blocking schemes, how we fired off, how we kept B.A. clean, how we moved them around, the routes that we ran, how we attacked the secondary. We attacked North Carolina as if they had a high-powered pass rush. Coach Kitchens and, and how I, like, they were locked in. And don't get and, and I told y'all last game, we was getting the high pots handed to us up front. So they took it upon themselves to say not again. But I think Coach Kitchens called a very good game. Um we I want to say we had one true drop, in my opinion. One true drop. The interception was a bad throw. Um BA just tried to whip it. He was just standing tall in the pocket. And he tried to whip, and it was behind Luke. Um, but I do want to say to the receivers, man, when you run any type of route that's going across the ball, like a dig route, uh, a mesh route, which is basically a drag route, I want to tell you this: if the quarterback is leading you a like leading you and not putting it on you, he's telling you that nobody's in front of you. I do see you guys tend to try to basket catch it, meaning, all right, so if you're running, if I'm running and I'm looking for the ball and somebody throws me the ball, a basket catch is when you take your back side hand, the the upfield hand, and you put it to the top. And then you take the bottom hand and you cup it under, right? So if you ever try to catch, like if you ever try to catch a punt and it's like you got your hands, you ever see people put their hands together like a flower in front of like the shadow, but anyway, it's like you cupping your hands, you cupping it, versus over what we call an overhand catch, meaning the near hand is you, you turn it over, and it's you showing it like, how can I help y'all better visualize this? You don't want to catch a ball going across the middle with your with your upfield shoulder with the thumb up. And the and the nearest hand thumb down. So if you if you so if you can look to your left right now and your right shoulder is going up the field, like so you looking so everybody look to your left, not if you're driving, but if you look to your left, your right shoulder, that right hand, if you shoot your right hand forward and your thumb is up, and then you shoot your left hand and your thumb is down, that's how receivers was trying to catch the ball. You don't catch a ball going across the middle like that. Okay? What you do is it's the opposite. That left arm, if you look into the left, that left arm, that left hand, that hand is shooting forward with your thumb down. And now you're bringing the right hand with the thumb up and you diamond like that. That's how you can reach out and catch it. The two times where Davies and Davies would have scored if he would have just kept running through the ball and just put his his nearest hand on top with the thumb down and diamond like that, he would have scored. And then one time, uh, I think JR was going across the middle and he tried it. They just gotta run through it. Now that yeah, that's 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 something that I know and it's like sometimes in the game, man, you just feel like somebody about to light you up, so you just like kind of die real quick. And I could never it's all and and sometimes that's what people call alligator arms when you try to catch it the way I was the the cat the the way I was telling you that they were doing. That's what people call alligator arms. That's alligator arms. Not saying they were using it. Okay. They wasn't utilizing alligator arms, but people would say if somebody tries to catch the ball the way I'm telling them not to, meaning the upfield arm with the thumb up, people consider that alligator because it shortens your arm versus anytime you want to reach for something, you got your thumb down with the nearest shoulder to your chin. That's how you reach and catch something. So um that that's what I want those guys to fix when you run across the middle. That nearest shoulder, that nearest hand, thumb down, you reach, you bring that back shoulder hand, you form your diamond with the thumb up and you pluck it like that. Once I see that you got your nearest hand opposite and your thumb is down, yeah, you ain't gonna catch it. You're gonna have to it's 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 gonna be tough. Um, but yeah. I thought that Coach Kitchen called a a, a a good game, but here's one thing that I know everybody want to talk about, and we're almost at the hour mark, so we're gonna make this. We'll to make this to the point. Coach Elliott is learning how to be a head coach on the fly, and the one thing he, he has to learn that I think can that can never really prepare you until you get live into the fire, and people around you can really help you as well. Game management, especially with your timeouts in the second half. First of all, I said I, Sam was going to talk about this. I said I was the quick punt. I didn't like because the third down call. The third down call, we were in the inside zone. to Mike, I thought that was setting us up for we was going to go for it. I really felt like it didn't matter if you try to like. I got the Duke. I get the Duke route when we when we did the quick punt versus Duke. I was on record saying, "Yeah, I agree with that one because the defense was doing well backing them up." But I felt like the way that our offense was rolling, running the football, I felt like you could have just tried to run it again on them. I really did. I really felt like you could have just kept attacking them. I felt like certain times we do play not to lose early when we don't versus just going with momentum, like go with the mo. That third down run play, I felt like it was trying to put us in a fourth and short that we can, it was manageable. Because I felt like we could have did what was doing, they was doing to us, spreading them out and make them cover and see if B.A. can make plays with his legs. Now, with that being said in the second half, we should never, and I'm, this is not a knock on you, Coach Elliott, this is on any coach. I'm never burning the timeout on a punt. Never. Never. If I ever decide to be a coach at any level, I'm gonna make sure it's reminded, yo. If you see me about to say timeout and the punt team on the field, don't like pop me in the side of the head with some shut the hell up juice. There, we should never call a timeout on the punt team. If guys can't relay and communicate to their subs that they can't go in and you got to go in, that's fine. Take the fire. Fans are still say, "Uh, oh, look at this. We got another penalty." That's fine. They can live with it. They can get over that. But you gave yourself no chance to really win late in the game. And even though a lot of y'all fans left who was down by 10, too, I want to say that as soon as they scored 31, all y'all started – some of y'all started leaving, man. Come on, man. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because you almost – we could have – just say we came back and won. You ah, dang, I left. Dang, we shouldn't have left. Like, don't do that, man. Let's stick that's, that's stick to the end, man. I appreciate the forty-four thousand one hundred and fifty-six people that came in attendance. I can't tell you what to do, but just cause we down by ten, like, I know our offense been, and eh, but they went down and they scored. Then was all size on the on the on a on the um was all size on the on size. But here's the thing. I did like his thought process though, because that remind me in arena football. It's like, all right. What I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook it onside, make it short field. So even if you do get a first down and if he had timeouts, it's a short field, meaning you got to come to us. Because some people are like, oh, he should have just kicked it deep. I was like, yeah, he could have, but, you know, I don't know. I just think you, you can't burn no more timeouts, bro, in the second half. Just take the penalty. Like real talk. Even if they line, if if you line up like, cause we need them, bro. Depending on the game, but you you can't. And this is this is this is first year coaching. Here's a lot of things Coach Elliott is learning, and that's why when people say you need to fire fire fire, like this is his first time as a head coach. It's gonna be growing pains. A lot of people don't got jobs in front of millions of people. We see him learning every day, every week. He's super transparent in his, uh. Post-game interviews in, in uh, the coach's corner. You know what I'm saying? with My man, uh, John Free, John B. Free. But don't, coach, don't burn no more don't no more timeouts on punts, man. Take the five. Take the five. That's going to be the motto. Take the five. If y'all high pots can't get out there on your damn special team, you're going to run five gases during the week too. The hell is y'all doing? How you not know who out there? They do punt alert on third down. You got 40 seconds before it even takes place to know if you're there or not. And the backup should be prepared. You should be watching. But, yeah, no more timeouts on uh, third down, coach. You learning on the fly. I ain't no head coach, and I ain't never trying to be no head coach. Never. Because I know. Y'all get paid a lot of money, but I don't want want what coming with y'all money. That's why people say, ball do once you go be a position coach say, nope. I don't want what comes with that money. I don't. Sorry. Can't do it. Mm-mm. I need to protect my piece. It's tough for me, just even a podcaster sometimes with the vitriol and the, you know what I'm saying, the disagreements. But as a coach, just like old buddy that went at Biscuit, that I, you know what I'm saying, that had me in my feelings, talking about he should be fired because of the receiver play and all that. Like, I, I don't want what comes with that money. Y'all make really good money. Really, really, really good money. And they say you sign up for it. I ain't signing up for that, Jack. That's why I like to keep it in perspective. I like to be respectful when I critique a coach. But I thought I thought, Coach Kitchen called a very good game, bro. Shout out to Ronnie Walker. Y'all ran hard. You backs ran hard, man. I will say, Xavier, slow down just a little bit on inside zones. Just a little bit. Because you so explosive, you're running to alignment. It could be an open gap to your left, and you might just stumble some. Versus if you just patient and keep your feet up under you, once you find that gap, you'll accelerate right through it. That's the one thing, but I'll tell that young bull, slow down just a little bit. Just a little bit, bro. Because once you, like, because you ran over two dudes yesterday that was phenomenal, though. Ronnie Walker reminds me of Tyree Foreman. He runs just like, salute to Tyree Foreman from Maryland. One of the best running backs to come out of the area now is a running backs coach. I think Tyree is at, is Tyree at Townsend? I don't know where Tyree at now, but I think he is. But my man Tyree Foreman was just like Ronnie Walker Jr., just a big, smooth, fast dude. Like Ronnie Walker faster than what he looked like when he running, and that's how Tyree Foreman was. If if Ronnie is healthy, I really like how we can run the ball. But Ronnie, Mike, and Xavier, yes, sir. I like that. Y'all boys ran well, bro. Offense, y'all did a good job. We came up short. Um... B.A., I, I really think you, I, I thought you took touch, you, you, you took some heat off the ball and you demonstrated touch yesterday. You, you had more catchable balls. Whoa, pause. Like, it was catchable throws. It was. It was like nice pitch and catch. No 100 miles an hour. And now everybody wants to wonder, like, when the big three come back, how is everything going to come to the fold? Coach Kitchen, have the same approach, bro. When those three big time receivers come back, have the same approach. I do want Billy, Billy Kemp to get more than just headbang of boogie throws, though. Every time we need a play, we go to Billy and it's like third, like that, 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 uh, that speed out Billy ran on that third and long when a, when the DB grabbed the back of his jersey when he was coming out of his break and he still caught it and then the corner came down off the go route. And one of them go routes, JR, man, you got to go to the line of scrimmage, man. You can't let no DB get up in your chest like that. You played a good game though, but I saw what happened when they was throwing the Billy right there, and both y'all in the same spot on the film. It was the same play in which, in the fourth quarter, Billy made the catch because you cleared out that time. Don't let that happen no more, youngin. You you gotta go, man. You gotta know when you are clearing out. Help a brother, help a brother out, HBO. But uh, yeah, man, we, we gotta find ways to feature Billy like. North Carolina features Josh Downs. We really do, I, and we got the capability. It's in the playbook, but then again, but then again, we can't feel like we got to get the ball to certain. I know I just said when the big three come back, we can't force everybody. So let me stop, man. I, I thought Coach Kitchen called a good game. I did, I, I did. This is one of the one of the better. I was, I, I, so I like this game plan. His game plan was was similar to, um. Even when we played Louisville, that's the that's the game where B ain't had too many incompletions. I'm th- I think Coach Kitchen's getting better and better, and I think this game really made him focus on um, calling a complimentary game. And I felt like we could have ran the ball even more, but again, he's the offensive coordinator. All right, and I felt like the players, you players, you executed at a high level. Salute to you, kudos to you. You came up short. This is a ranked team. This offense is not. This offense was fun to watch. It was fun to watch them on film, just previewing them and, and preparing for them and then watching them go up against our defense. It was fun to watch the chess match. Coach Rudd does a phenomenal job. His assistants do a phenomenal job. I will say this um, our defensive front, when you guys rush, just understand don't get up the field so much that you create an escape path for a quarterback. Because, May. Was I think May showed you guys, like, all right, we was getting too comfortable just rushing the quarterback because he was taking off within three steps of y'all getting upfield because he saw that y'all was beating his, his tackles like there was nothing. So I think that was a great teaching tool for you guys going forward. And we got to get ready for Pitt. Pitt just uh, defeated Syracuse. Uh, granted, Syracuse had their backup quarterback, but they still beat him. They still beat him. It's going to be a tough task. you are going to run a football. They're going to be very physical. And um, it's gonna be a, a a nice change in how we approach this game, cause they front, they get they get after you defensively. They front, they go, and they play man on the back end. So um, that's it, man. Good as the enemy are great. Be great in everything that you do. Never let nobody tell you you can't do what you set your mind out to do. Appreciate everybody for rocking with me, man. Make sure you go to AhmadHawkins.com if you miss anything and you need to uh, review any episode, any walkthrough episode amadhawkins.com. It's a contact box to where you can hit me up via email and let me know your thoughts on my podcast episodes and, and what you would like to hear as far as the DJ selection, as far as the music. But um again, this podcast episode is sponsored by Bet Online. Man, make sure you use that promo code, man, to get fifty percent off. I'm out of here. Peace.